part 10. Start watching more news, Matt. You'll stay more in, in tune. No good, I agree with you. No value in, in mass media news at all. There's no value at all. Okay, so after showing that in the first few chapters, Paul showed <clears throat> that no one is without excuse, right? Nobody, no, no matter if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, you're an educated Gentile or an uneducated Gentile, you're under God's wrath, under God's condemnation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if you had the, all the privileges, all the blessings that the Jews had of receiving scripture, those, the law cannot save you. So the principle of law, which is your conscience, right? Telling you there's a God, telling you right from wrong. And then the principle of law and general revelation that there is a God and that I will be accountable to him. Those things will not save you. They, all they really do is point that you need saving, right? That you need something more. Um, and so the, the, the Jews will be condemned by their own Mosaic law. The, the Gentiles will be condemned by their own conscience inside, right? So God is just in condemning them because of their rejection of him, right? Generally, right? That's what it is. It's basically a, a rejection of his provision for salvation, they're under wrath. We're under his, we would be under his wrath if we weren't justified. And so now, now that every man is unrighteous, right? Every person is unrighteous. Now what, basically, right? That's what Paul's gonna start discussing in chapter three, 21 through 26. So he gives God's answer to this universal guilt, right? So, but he, this isn't the first time he introduced it. In 117, he says, but the righteous shall live by faith. So he says, the righteous shall live by faith up front. Then he goes through and just tears apart everybody's idea of self-righteousness, of following laws, of following religion, of following beliefs that they have. The only righteousness that God will accept is living by faith. But it's not just by faith in some arbitrary thing. It's, there's a content of your faith that must be there. And so it's, there's, in verse 21, there's a logical translation, a transition from everybody's under God's wrath to now what's the answer to righteousness. So if someone read verse 21 of chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who Right, so he tells you exactly where the righteousness comes from. God has revealed it or manifested it, put it into practice, put it into place apart from the law. So although the law and the prophets bore witness, meaning that the Mosaic, the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, gave evidence, gave truth, gave proof that the just shall live by faith, right? The righteous shall live by faith. The Old Testament saints or the believers they didn't know who it was going to be in. They didn't know the name of Jesus Christ. They didn't know. They knew that, but they knew that they had to live by faith to be righteous. So when they gave their their suffer their altars of sacrifice and those things, they by faith had to believe that God accepted them, right? That God would God would would um, be pleased with them. So even they lived by faith, even under the Mosaic law, knowing that the Mosaic law could not save them or make them justified. Um, 
So when a person, and we kind of talked about this already, when a person places his faith in Christ, God assigns righteousness to them. We don't become righteous, right? We're not all of a sudden perfect individuals. We are assigned righteousness. God attributes righteousness to us um, on account of his son, right? On account of his son doing the works of the law and fulfilling the, the works of the law and, and fulfilling perfect righteousness, God attributes to us or assigns righteousness. Not that we are uh, all of a sudden, like I said, all of a sudden righteous in all of our thoughts and deeds and things, but we are, he's viewing us uh, in a judicial sense of now being not guilty. Yeah? Because can't, you can't live up to it with your conscience. You can't live up to it by following the Mosaic Law. Those things are impossible. The only way you can is by that propitiation. And we're, we're going to go over that in just a second. Um, so it is a righteousness that is not earned, but is a free gift, right? It's a free gift of God, and it's grace, getting what you don't deserve. And then, then in 22, like Jerry read, it says the way that this is happens is by the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all believers. So the means by which we obtain this righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ, right? One person, the work that he did on the cross, right? And the life that he lived, that's our faith, that he would propitiate or that he would exchange our unrighteousness and we would get his righteousness. Um, so the moment you become a believer, or the moment you have that faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, righteousness is imputed to you. It is put on you where God now views you being in Christ and not under condemnation. God declares the believer not guilty at that moment. Even though you're still unrighteous in the sense of your, your actions and your deeds, because of your faith, God imputes righteousness to you. Yeah? Okay. Um, and so 22, some, just read 22 and 23. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right, all have sinned. And Paul, in the context of this, Paul had been talking about Jews and Gentiles, and they're all sinners, right? They all fall short of the glory of God. So as far as salvation is concerned, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. We talked about the distinction is that they have the promises, Jews have promises, and they will be fulfilled in the future. But as far as salvation is concerned, there is no distinction. It's all by faith in Jesus Christ, right? Um, no, no amount of observing the law or no amount of observing your conscience is going to make you any, get you any more saved than the other person. Um, it's always by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, okay, so let's go further. So verses 24 and 25, God, uh, Paul explains God's way of righteousness, and he's going to use two key words here, justified and propitiation. So verse 24 is um, propitiation. I'm sorry, justified. And then we'll go, so... Read verse 24, if you would. Right, so 
through faith in Jesus Christ for all believers, no distinction, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. And those same groups, no distinction, all that are sinned and fall short of the glory of God are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So that is the gospel right there, right? That that's, that's what it is, is faith, God's provision for man's unrighteousness and his inability to meet God's demands, God's provision or God provides the answer. He tells us we have a problem. He tells us the solution. The solution is it's by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we can be redeemed in Christ Jesus, right? So it's the most justification. The term is the most legal, most important legal term in all of scripture, right? It, it, and, and so in all of scripture, it's primarily in the New Testament as far as justification, um, it means multiple things. And so I'm just going to briefly go over seven ways that justified means within the New Testament. Um, and I didn't put them on your notes, but because there's a lot for me to say. So first is justified of God, right? Romans 3.26, that's our very next passage, our very next verse. It says, so justified of God, meaning that justification comes from God, right? The source of justification is God. And then justified by blood, right? We just, that's 25. Um, that emphasizes the grounds, the basis of justification, and it's the blood of Christ, right? The shed blood of Christ. So God is saving both everyone, Jew and Gentile, on the basis of his son's blood, the sacrifice, the son that, that, that he did. And it isn't necessarily the blood has any efficacy, they would say. It's that God attributed to the blood, right? God said the blood is what will, sac will, will suffice the wrath, right? It isn't that um, Christ, I mean, Christ's divine blood is true. It is innocent and it is perfect. But because God the Father said the blood is enough because the life of the person is in the blood, right? And so God said the blood of my son will suffice the condemnation, the wrath, right? And so the, the means for justification, the means for fulfilling that legal obligation of payment, the blood had to be shed. And God accepted or, and attributed the blood to be effective in, in performing that work. Yeah, we get that. When uh, I was in um, college, one of my professors um, said something to us, kind of like my dad always worried about justification as long as it's in blood, it's just in blood. There's never sin. Um, That's so, good, yeah. That's very good. That's right. Right, right. So that's it. That's the. That's exactly right. That's the point. The point is that you are putting your faith in Christ that you are justified. Right. So even though we are not, we don't live righteously moment by moment as much as we want to. Our faith is in Him that did, and so that's what pleases God. Is that we are putting it not in ourselves but on Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Okay, so justified of God, justified by blood, justification by faith, 
Um, so the instrument that brings about justification, right, the thing that pleases God or the thing that says this is exchange is going to happen is your faith in his son and his provision to provide the redemption of, our, of ourselves. Um, justified by works. And Greg, you were talking about that. So works emphasizes the evidence of salvation, right? Works emphasizes and shows the evidence that you've been justified because you will do works because you're already justified, right? So we are just, and that's in James 2, Jude 2, 21, 24, 25. So they're not, they're not um, contradictory. They go hand in hand. Our faith will produce justification. Our justification will produce works. Works is the evidence of having the faith, right? It's just that kind of circle there. Uh, we're justified in him. It, so the results of justification is that because now we are justified, we are in Christ, right? We are in a new creation. We are in a new position. We're no longer under the wrath of God. We're now in the position of being in Christ, also known as the bride of Christ, right? We are in Christ. By being in Christ, we have a new position. We've been elevated to, a, you know, the C-class or whatever you call it. We're, we're with Christ, right? We're justified by grace. Um, this is so we receive many graces, meaning things that we don't, we haven't earned. God gives us this justification is one of God's graces given to us as a gift. We can't earn it or deserve it. And then we're justified by the Spirit. Um, so justification always also includes that the Holy Spirit is involved, I and mean, we're we're in the Holy Spirit as well. In Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. God the Father has us in His hands. We're all the Trinity there. We're all, we're all in there. And it's all through the means of one thing, which is faith in the person and work of Christ. So you have to know the person and the work that he did, right? You can't, so we, you know, it's always talking about blind faith. Oh, you're just blind faith. Well, it's not blind faith if you know the person and then the work he did. That's what our faith is in. It's not just in the name, a term, or just this idea. It's that you understand that there had to be work done, that you needed a savior, you needed to be saved, you needed to be justified, and the person of Jesus Christ did it. And so we just put our faith in him. So it's not, it's not a blind faith, it's not a faith of our parents or our grandparents, it's that we individually decide that that man, God, man, Jesus Christ, did the work for us, and by faith we believe that we are made righteous because we trust in him to do that for us. Um, and again, so justification doesn't mean the believer is made righteous, but that he has been declared righteous. The sanctification process is where you're be, being made more righteous, right? And he does that too, right? We don't sanctify ourselves. We don't justify ourselves. We don't sanctify ourselves, and we can't glorify ourselves. God does it all, right? All we have to do is just get out of the way, basically, and just say, thank you. You know, please continue, right? Because um, if you could make yourself righteous, then you have a form of self-righteousness, right? You, you, you can boast. And we've kind of learned that boasting, there's no place to boast anywhere in God's kingdom because he does the justifying, the sanctifying, and the glorifying, right? Um, so this imputation of righteousness has been given freely to you on the basis of God's grace because of your faith in his provision his way, his answer to the problem. Yeah? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, 
Redemption is a financial term, um, and it refers to the payment of a set price. So your payment, your, your set price was your life, right? All are under, you know, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. We're all worthy of death. We're all wor worthy of condemnation. But redemption refers to the payment of a set price that frees you or frees a person from the, the market of sin, right? As a slave, we were slaves. And remember we talked about the difference between a bond slave and a slave? A slave was one where you were owned and you, you were owned by that and it was for a period of time to pay back a debt or pay something back. And so after that time was up, you could actually leave and, and you paid your debt, you, pay, you weren't no longer a slave that way. But a bond slave was somebody who chose, remember we talked about with Paul and Acts, he would say, I'm a bond servant, a bond slave. He would choose to be a slave again, in a sense that he would be owned by the owner, to, but he would work, right? It was a work relationship in the sense that he would also get paid and every other thing, but he chooses to be back into that role um, as so a bond slave is a choice whereas a slave is a debt that you have to pay back and Paul would say he was a bond servant of Christ right he chose to be living for Christ and working for Christ um, so redemption it's a like I said it's a financial transaction in the market of sin in the sense of, of who who's your debtor who do you owe when we were in sin we owed God right when we, when, and, and Satan was our owner, but we owed the debt to God, when God sent his son and paid the price, that changed. And now we, we can, um, we won't never, we don't have to ever be legally a slave to sin again. However, like we're talking about, Jerry, we do put ourselves back into slavery, right? We do put ourselves under slavery. Um, but that slavery after being justified doesn't carry a legal obligation. It's just us letting it be over our lives, right? We just, we choose to dwell in it because we're comfortable. I mean, when we see that in Israel and, and our own lives, you know, they choose to go, we choose to go back to what we know, right? Um, so a, a believer can put himself back under the slavery of sin, but the justification still occurred and the justification does they're no longer legally bound to that position, but they, we still can do that. Redemption allows you to reject sin, right? Um, the redemp redemption gives us Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, Father holding us. We have the power now to reject sin. We have the power to not sin. We, we, don't, we don't have the perfect body. We still have a sin nature but we have the ability to not sin, whereas before we didn't have the ability to not sin, right? Good, we're following there, okay. All right, next term is propitiation. <clears throat> so if someone read verse 25a. To be received by faith, right? So the Greek term for propitiation is hilasterion, um, in this context, it can refer to two things. So it's a sin offering, right? Um, by, by which the deity or whatever would be appeasing. So propitiation was used in cults too, right? They would throw children off the mountain or, you know, sacrifice a person. And it was the idea to, to appease a god, right? So that was one definition. Another definition is the mercy seat of the ark. 
Um, and that was sprinkled with atoning blood on the Day of Atonement, or they call it Yom Kippur. Um, so the main purpose in Leviticus of the Day of Atonement was to appease God's wrath against sin. Um, So God accepted under the Mosaic law a substitute on Yom Kippur, right? So the, the high priest would go in and he would use a bull, right? And for the nation, he'd sacrifice a bull. And for the people, the people would use two male goats for sin offering and one ram for burnt offering. They were offered once a year publicly, right? And it was in the temple compound. So but that foreshadowed what Christ would be doing, right? That Christ would be the one who, who experienced the full force of God's wrath on the cross in the place of the Messiah, in the place of the uh, believer, right? So Christ, the Messiah, was a public substitute for the believer. So just like every year, they'd go and offer this, the high priest would offer a bull, and the people would offer a... Uh, two male goats or, and one ram for a burnt offering. So he had a sin offering and a burnt offering. Christ became that one public sacrifice, right? Um, he, he was hung on the cross, publicly suffered the wrath of God. So he acted as a sin offering, and God therefore was appeased by that sin offering, right? That's what their propitiation means, that he was appeased or he was satisfied with the payment for the sin. And the payment was Christ's blood publicly getting the full wrath of God on the cross. And that there's a period on the cross where Christ received all of the wrath of God, right? And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? That's the moment that, that God the Father and God the Son were separated. And we talked about that, the, the prayer that he had the night before was is there another way right is can is there you know can is there another way that i can bear this cup the cup of offering the cup of sin offering right and he says nevertheless not my will but your will and he does it right and so but on the cross um the full weight and full judgment of god's wrath was put on christ on the cross for us and that was the time period. It was about, you know, he was on there for three hours or so. But the moment that that happened, you know, the earth darkened, the earthquake happened, the, the, the veil was rent in two, all these things um, took place. But God's wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross for us, for your, we should have hung on the cross. Right? We deserve to hung on the cross. We deserve to have that wrath of God on it. We, we still deserve it now, but we, by faith, are justified. But instead of us being on the cross, full, you know, getting that full wrath of God, he did. And, and because he was divinity, he could raise from the dead. And because he raised from the dead, and we are in Christ, we can raise from the dead. Right? We couldn't have appeased God's wrath. The resurrection is the proof that God accepted Christ's atonement, Christ's suffering, Christ's sacrifice, right? If he wasn't raised, then it wasn't satisfied. We couldn't satisfy God's wrath. Only one 
man could do that, and that was the man Christ Jesus. And so, while while we ha- we deserve the wrath, we didn't have the innocence, we didn't have the righteousness to appease him. All we did was just get our just due, which is a payment for our sin, right? Our wage for the wages of sin is death. We earned that, and yet Christ um, didn't have sin, so his wage was a gift, and that God accepted that gift, and therefore raised him again as an acceptance, as an appeasement of, of his sacrifice. Um, and here's the reason, verse 25b. So if you read verse 25b, Okay, so God, when God publicly displayed his son on the cross, that's the demonstration of righteousness. The righteousness is that sin has to be paid for, right? Without justice, there's not love, right? You have to have, in order to have love, you have to have justice. In order to have righteousness, you have to have justice. In order to have everything, we have to have justice, right? And so his, he demonstrated his righteousness by his, cro- his son on the cross, right? So we were, we were discussing that in the past, right, um, he would just pass over the sin, meaning Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, was one day a year, but it was every year, right? It was just a passing over. So by faith, they look forward to God being appeased for the moment until the following year, but they knew that it wasn't done, right? It wasn't complete. Um, he had passed over the former sins. Um, so they'd bring their, you know, in, in Old Testament times, they'd bring their sacrifices. They were killed, but when um, they left, they were still very aware of their sins, right? Because their sins were merely covered, but not removed. So let's look over to Hebrews 10.4, if you would. Bulls and goats can't take away a sin, right? right? right. Blood is shed, but bulls and goats are not man. Bulls and goats are not divine. Bulls and goats didn't meet the righteousness of the law, the righteousness of our conscience, the righteousness of God, but they were a foreshadowing, right? A forbearance, God's forbearance, his divine forbearance. He had passed over those sins, knowing that that this is a, a, an example, it is an illustration of what is to come, which is, my son will be the one, the, the, righteousness, the righteous one. So someone read Hebrews 10.4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Right. Go flip back to nine, one chapter 9.15 also. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so, so that those who are called may receive the Right, so the first covenant was the Mosaic covenant, right? It's no longer in effect now, it's inoperative. Christ fulfilled it. He didn't just come and just say, I'm out with that. He fulfilled it. It had a beginning and it had an end, and the end was that Christ fulfilled it. Um, and so, on the Day of Atonement for the Jews, they, every year they'd have to do that process over again. But when Christ died, he died not only for the sins that would be committed after, which are our sins, but all the sins that were those that had been committed beforehand, right? So the Jews, 
looked forward to a time when there would be an eternal one sacrifice that met the righteous demand. They didn't know the name Jesus Christ. They didn't know who it was, but they still had to have faith that it would be, right? We have faith that it has already been. They had faith that it would be, but it's still by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Um, so we don't have to suffer God's wrath against our sin because Jesus suffered for the for us, for the believer, and his righteousness was applied to the believer. Um, but not for the unbeliever, right? The unbeliever will suffer the full force of God's wrath. The wages of sin is death. Death is not nothingness. Death is separation from God, right? Biblical definition of set death is not that you don't exist anymore. It's that you do it. You're going to re- the unbelievers will receive a body that can can sustain the wrath, the separation of God for eternity. You can't be in a lake of fire with this body, but you can be in a lake of fire with a different body. And so you don't just cease to exist and don't have any thoughts or memories. You will suffer the wrath of God for eternity. And that should scare unbelievers, right? Um, Okay, back to um, Romans 3, verse 26. Are we good? Any any thoughts or questions so far? It's like the it's like the the meat here of like what all the means of how it does, why it happens that way. These are very important aspects. Um, okay, another reason is verse twenty six a. Um, and so Paul is basically giving reasons why God did it this way, why He justified and propitiated the way He did. So um, it was. Verse 25 was, it showed his righteousness in time past, right? Because in before it passed over former sins. Now look at 26a. Read that if you would. It was to show the righteousness at the present time. At the present time. So in the past, bulls and goats, in the present time, right? So he wanted to demonstrate the same thing in the present age. Good morning. So then read verse 26b, Jerry. So that he might be just, that he might be just and the justifier of our faith. Right, so his program, God's program of redemption proves that he is a just God and that by justice, redemption had to pay for something, had to redeem the, the sinner, right? So he punishes sin because he is just. We're in Romans 3, sir. Uh, 26. Um, and so, yeah, you, you came right in the deep, deep of it. <laughs> God punishes sin because he is just, right? He, he's, not just, he's not just, oh, it's fine, I can look over it. Right? He, because he is just, something has to pay for that sin. And the wages of sin is death, and Christ paid that, that wage with his life. Right? Like I said, Christ suffered the full wrath of God's judgment for the sins of others. This allowed God to be the justifier. We are justified, right, um, of those who have faith in that program. God determined that the program from the foundations of the earth in eternity past, He said, This is the way it's going to be. I'm going to, man's going to, I'm going to give man choice. Man chooses to reject God. I'm going to give man the solution. And most people reject the solution. 
right? But we, by the grace of God and by him leaning down and breathing life into us, have accepted the provision, accepted the solution, and put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we are now redeemed. Okay, so just to summarize this little section, um, justification means that a person is declared righteous, right? Doesn't mean that they are made righteous, but they're declared righteous. They are declared to be not guilty, right? When, when someone is uh, not guilty in a court, doesn't mean that they are perfectly righteous. They're just not guilty of that particular thing, right? Um, so God no longer takes into the legal account our sins, uh, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of the gift of grace through faith in Christ. So justification totally removes any human work. Like I said, he provides the, the awareness. He lets us know that we are sinners. He provides the solution. He lets us know that the Messiah can pay for our sin. And he lets us know that we can become more righteous by sanctif him sanctifying us. No work that we do on our own accord gives us any of those things. No work, right? It's totally for all dependent upon our relinquishing to him. And thank the Lord for that because we would mess it up. Okay, good? Okay, just go a little bit quickly into uh, the next section. So. Now we talked about justification and um, now we're talking about justification and the Mosaic Law. So he's going to ask a series of questions and answers. Verse 27. Read verse 27. Both Jews and Gentiles are saved by one way only, right? By grace, through faith, apart from works. So can we boast in any of that, that we've accomplished anything on our own accord or our own merit? No, right? So he's basically asking these questions and answering them. Um, it's obviously no, right? We can do any of those things because it's not any of our works we're justified. If we honestly look at ourselves, we're not any more intelligent. We're not any more spiritually uh, awake. We weren't any more spiritually awakened from the next person. God put in our hearts a light, and we responded to that light, right? And so the only thing we did was respond to the light in a positive manner. I'm like, oh, what is that? You know? And then he gave us all the information and gave us the, the, the faith. He gave us the, the hunger and the thirst for growth, right? Um, so the Jew cannot boast under any circumstance because even though he had the law of Moses, he couldn't follow it, right? Read verse 29. I'm sorry, 28, 28. Fully maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from anything of the law. Right, so it is apart from anything a person does on the basis of law. And there are still believe there are still religions out there who follow the law, right? I mean, even um, Seventh-day Adventists, they follow the law, right? And they will serve, they'll worship on Saturdays, and they believe that they have to still follow the law of Moses. Um, and then continue on verse 28, Paul adds a little more of what he meant. So we hold that one is justified 
right? So again, it's, it's our salvation is not based upon us being moral good people or, or following the law to the T, but on the righteousness that is imputed to us, right? Our faith, God gives us righteousness, declares us not guilty, not... And so the law, the following the law from the perspective of understanding God's holiness, right? In the New Testament, all nine of the ten commandments are repeated in the New Testament. There's only one that's not. And I just mentioned it. Does anybody know what it is? Sabbath. The Sabbath, right? So nine of the ten commandments are, are repeated for us to do. We, but we are not obligated to follow the Sabbath uh, command. And that's also, the Sabbath is one of the things that separate the Jews from the Gentiles was following the Sabbath. So, And then verse 29, I'll just read that. It says, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Right? So um, he didn't have two waves of salvation, one for the Jew and one for the Gentile. Um, if there were two ways of salvation, then there's two gods, right? There's two different gods to appease, right? And then just quickly, verse 30, and unarguably, God is stated as being one. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the un uncircumcised through faith? So he's always had one way of salvation, and that's by faith in his program. And his program is by his son. And his son propitiated our sins and redeemed us so that we would not be under the wrath of God. So with that, we will end there at verse 30. Good. Anybody want to say something? Yes, sir. Thank you for accepting me so late. I'm curious what you did in verse, because uh, I've going down the list here. God's righteousness is shown by this man. I think it's unrighteous to forgive him. Say again? I think it, it, God's righteousness in uh -huh. verse 26 said, you wrote this, uh -huh. and I, I've never noticed this before. That God's righteousness is shown, this plan, mm -hmm. so well presented. And it is in order to show God's righteousness in that he, his divine forbearance, that he forgives our sins. I don't think that's, I don't think he should forgive me. I think that's crazy. Yes. And, and <laughs> so I don't know how that shows his righteousness. I'm a okay, no, so he's demonstrated righteousness is justice, right? Righteousness meaning that r the righteousness of God is that he's perfect and we're not. The wages of our sin is that we can't be with him, right? Yeah. So he's, he's showing forth his righteousness by, in this present age, that verse is saying, he showed it in the past, he's showing in the present time, and the way he's presenting his righteousness is by the death of his son. Because justice means, like I was saying before, if he, if he just overlooked the sin, that's not just. Therefore, that's not righteous, right? So his righteousness is being illustrated because his son had to pay the price. The, the price is still paid. The price is, so, so yes. So he's righteous because he's demanding the price. Yes. And it is paid. Yes, and so our, our, the only thing we can do is have faith that his son made us righteous, right? That's the gospel, is that our faith in him, God's, God's provision said, the only way I will be satisfied with man's wrath or man's sin is if innocent blood, my son, pays for it. 
So our, our, you're exactly right, though, that we got, we don't understand that because we don't live that way, right? We remember. We, even though we might forgive people, we remember when people do bad things to us, right? But God says, being just and being righteous, sin has to be paid for. And if he just said, oh, it's okay, let me just look over here, that's not just or righteous, right? And we wouldn't be declared righteous, we'd just be declared dirty with a little cleaning on top, like, he, like Christ calls the uh, Pharisees sepulchers, right? They're all whitewashed on the outside, but inside is death. Well, we're fully cleaned from the inside because we take upon his son's righteousness, and we're, we're declared righteous, not made righteous. Does that make sense? Being declared versus made, right? We're still not righteous. We still do difficult, sinful things, but God looks on us and says, you're not guilty because the payment was made for you. Now I'm going to help you to be sanctified, help you to become more righteous. Yeah, it's a very good question. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we bow our hearts, Lord. We're just grateful and thankful that you give us the answers, Lord, that your truth is in your word. We're thankful that you chose your son to pay the price for our sin, Lord. We're thankful that you breathe life into us, that we would have faith in that provision, Lord. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to, we believe, help us in our unbelief, Lord. Help us to go about our days living as though we are not guilty in your eyes, and that we would be boldly proclaiming your word, and that we would present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices, because that's our reasonable duty. It's our reasonable service to receive the graces of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.